Welcome to the Walk and Verse Journey. We're going to explore history, current events, your poetry and prose. Sit back and come along for the ride. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Bcav is episode number five, and this one I actually was going to do on the twentieth of March, and today is March twenty second, two thousand and twenty. I wanted to wait because um, I listened to a video of the Secret Service Jim Murray, the director, and he said something that kind of piqued my interest a little bit. And I want to share it with you here. Hello, my name is Jim Murray, and I'm proud and privileged to serve as the twenty sixth director of the U.S. Secret Service. I wanted to take a moment to recognize and thank the nearly 8,000 men and women of the Secret Service who continue to execute our integrated mission of protection and investigations, even during these challenging times. Our mission support personnel have worked hard and found innovative ways to carry out their tasks at alternate locations. Our agents and officers are standing post and working hard to keep our nation's leaders safe, while at the same time endeavoring to safeguard our country's financial infrastructure. Although I'm not surprised at all, I'm extremely proud of our folks for the resilience, perseverance, and flexibility they've exemplified. The Secret Service has a proud 155-year tradition, but the reality is we cannot fulfill that mission without the active support of our many law enforcement, public safety, medical, and military partners. These, of course, are the same people out there in the front lines right now fighting this pandemic on our behalf and we are extremely grateful to their service. Stay safe, stay healthy, and take care of each other. And while there was a lot of things said in many areas that were of interest, the one thing that stood out was his statement around 155 years and how he cannot fulfill without active support, without active law enforcement, public safety members, medical and military partners. And so I decided to do a little bit of digging. And what I did was I took March 20th, 2020 minus 155 years. And that took me back to March 20th, 1865. And that is, it's interesting. You know, again, I, I don't know if it's any coincidence, but it was just interesting. And what happened on that day in history was that Booth, and he's the guy that ended up killing Abraham Lincoln. Booth learned that Lincoln was planning to visit um, a hospital uh, near a soldier's home in Northwest Washington. They're going to actually kidnap him. And it didn't work out. And some say it was March 17th, others say March 20th, and so it's, it's unclear on on the actual date, but it's March 20th, which many consider that day. But but the fact is that they tried to kidnap the president at the time, and it was near a hospital. And they said because of the kidnapping going wrong, that was what drove Booth to actually assassinate the president a month later. Now, why am I bringing this up? What was interesting is the remark in the article above around the hospital. And then also how the, the director was saying how there's different people in place right now abroad, uh, you know, in, in locations to really make sure that everything goes smooth, protect our infrastructure and so forth. Now, I also saw an, a, an article break on March 20th of 2020. And the title of that was Army Orders All Medical Units to Prepare for Possible Response to Virus Outbreak. So when I read the article, um, it said this, in Kentucky, a prepared order deploy as U.S. government wrestles how to best help communities if the spread of COVID-19 intensifies. And that was stated by General James McConville. But if you read down further, what, what really kind of sp sparked my interest even further 
was this statement here. He said, the general, the army has also given a warning order to all our roll three hospitals, facilities staffed and equipped to provide care to all categories of patients to include resuscitation, initial wound surgery, and that's an interesting one, specialty surgery, and post-operative care. Now, when you're looking to go after a pandemic, you're not going to open up individuals because that would highly spread the infection. Yet these level three or a rural three hospitals are designed to handle resuscitation, initial wound surgery, and so forth. An initial wound surgery is basically you're expecting, uh, you know, gunshot wounds, stabbings, lacerations, things like of that nature. Okay. Then he says something else that was really odd. He said that every medical unit in the United States Army has been told to take a look at their capabilities and capacity so they can come back to us. So basically, it seems like uh, he's expecting something in addition to this crisis that we're dealing with. So, and what, why am I even saying this? Well, let's read about what the different roles of medical care are in the, in, the, in the military. So in the military, you have four roles, or role one, two, three, and four, and they all build upon one another. And you don't ever really bypass a one to a four or one to a three, unless there's a medical urgency, such as the virus, right? All right, so then on, on a roll one, it says that the uh, first medical care military personnel receive is provided at roll one. All right, so basically the, the personnel are the ones who receive this care. But then it also says that the role of care includes immediate life-saving measures, so, you know, field combat, something like that, I would assume, disease and non-battle injury prevention and care, so for disease, outbreaks, so forth, which is a role one. Combat and operational stress preventative measures, patient location and acquisition, and then treatment provided by designated combat medics, treatment squads, and so forth. Then when you look at a role number two, it builds upon number one, and it talks about how it is for advanced trauma management and emergency medical treatment, including continuation of resuscitation started in role one. And then role two provides a greater capability to resuscitate trauma patients than is available at a role one. And it goes into a little more details here. And also a role two is also light maneuver. And it also includes like a role two enhance. And a role two enhance provides basic secondary health care built around primary surgery, intensive care units, ICU, and ward beds, which, which we're seeing them being set up. All right, number three. A number three is designed for patients, uh, patients, sorry, patients, patients is treated uh, in an MTF or a vet, veterinarian facility for working animals that is staffed and equipped to provide care for all. But then it goes on and says that this may include definitive surgery for local nationals dependent on the current rules of engagement. I found that kind of interesting. Uh, the role um, of care expands to support provided at role two. So patients who are unable to tolerate and survive movement over long distances receive surgical care in a hospital as close to the support unit as a tactical situation allows. And it also talks about how this role level three also has, you know, resuscitation, initial wound surgery, specialty surgery around orthopedics, uh, th thyratic ENT, neurosurgical, um, and so forth. And then a level four is basically, you got some, it's, it's the next level up. Okay, so then where am I getting at with this? Well, also then today, and again, I want to be clear, the media is probably going to tomorrow say that, oh my goodness, Trump declared martial law. No, he did not. He declared Title Code 32 um, for the um, National Guard. And what that means is that under a, a Code 32, Title 32, 
The National Guard is not directed at the federal level, it's done at the state level. But the servicemen are paid and trained by the, by the United States Army or Armed Services, to be correct. But they're un, again, but they're under the command of the state governor. So again, there is no martial law. Title Code 32 is basically being called because a lot of times when you have a natural disaster of some type or domestic security problems is what they're anticipating, they will do a, a Title 32. Right, so like remember 9/11 or even uh, the, the the hurricane uh, Katrina and so forth, or other natural natural disasters like that, or again security problems. Now, why I am getting to this is that I start looking over um, the areas where they're going to ship these medical facilities to, and what struck me odd was California, Washington, and New York. Now. I then went and looked up and wanted to see, you know, were any of these sanctuary states? And yeah, they are. So not Washington, but California and New York are, and then Washington borders Oregon and Oregon is. All right. And what's really kind of sparked the alarm here was that I saw an article posted on March 19th, 2020, where it says Los Angeles County starts mass release of low-level criminals. Inmates with less than 30-day sentences are automatically being released and changes in arrest protocols have reduced the number of incoming inmates from 300 to 60. Now, ask yourself, why would you release prisoners, low-level or not, back into the general public during a crisis, during massive public panic being spread by the media, right? Um, Then again, I saw another article, and again, that's LA, California, another article on March 19th, the exact same day, where a sheriff releases 314 inmates to reduce coronavirus risk at Alameda County. Now, Alameda County, I used to to live down those areas, and um, when you get into the Bay Area, like around Oakland, it it can get pretty dangerous. I'll, I'll leave it at that, same as Palo Alto and so forth. And then this article talked about how Alameda County Sheriff's Office said Thursday it has released more than 300 inmates from Santa Rita Jail in Dublin as a safety measure in an effort to stop the spread of novel coronavirus. Now, I don't know what kind of safety he's talking about, but um, Santa Rita is not really the best place. to. Uh, I wouldn't say it's, it's a role model prison. Let's leave it at that. And then on March 17th, two days prior, I saw an article um, that came out from Philadelphia, how it said that the police are going to delay arrest for certain nonviolent crimes. And the person who's the chief of police there is somebody by the name of Danielle Outlaw. Remember that name. So it says that this department now said that individuals who normally would be arrested and prosecuted at a detective division will be temporarily uh, detained to confirm identification and complete necessary paperwork. All right. And individuals will then be arrested on a warrant at a later date. Okay. Remember that now. And then also it said that the other adjustments made to the, the operations of the police department was that officers from various plain clothes specialized units will be temporarily assigned to uniform. So no more undercover. The livestock vehicle impoundment program will be suspended until further notice. Non-critical training will be temporarily suspended. I don't know what non-critical means. And then social distancing between police officers and the public will be implemented so cops really can't get close to, say, a potential threat. Is that what that means? Anyway, I also then saw another article break out on the 18th of March. And again, the same Philly uh, police chief, again, Danielle Outlaw, said this, that they're going to stop arresting people for these crimes. All narcotic offenses, personal retail and vehicle theft, burglary, vandalism, electronic crimes like fraud and prostitution. 
And then it even said that the police will temporarily suspend enforcement of bench warrants. Now, that's important to remember, bench warrants. Now, why would you stop that? Now, I'm going to back up again to, well, actually, I'm going to fast forward to March 22nd, where there's another article that I found where it talks about how an extremist group encourages members to spread coronavirus to police and, and Jews. It's an FBI alert on March 22nd, 2020. Now, remember, this is all happening now with this pandemic going on. And we're also seeing that the National Guard is being activated in these certain areas. So keep that in mind, right? So so why? Members of extremist groups are encouraging one another to spread the virus. If contracted through bodily fluids and personal interactions, according to the alert issued by the FBI's New York office on Thursday. So you see, in New York, which is a sanctuary city, they are now um, getting these groups together to start to cause chaos. And again, tomorrow's Monday, right? So the weekend's kind of calm, Monday comes, and all of a sudden, I, I expect to see the media go full-blown hype. And also to start causing more panic. And then if you have panic with, with this type of activity going on, it's full-blown chaos. Okay. I'm going to go back to another article on 318 from Rikers Island. And so they're saying that even prisoners are being released from Rikers Islands. And, and, and the problem with that is, according to um, one of the assemblywomen, she says that right now, a, a, because of an earlier law which took effect in January, 90% of the, of the city's incarcerated population has already been released or is being released. And that was called the New York's Bell Law. And, and I've also read how that law has allowed repeat offenders to go back out on the street and just cause more problems and, and more damage to the citizens. And she was saying that how right now in Rikers Island that the people that are left at, in Rikers Island are rapists, gang members, um, drug traffickers. And remember, what's not being arrested for? Narcotic offenses, burglary, vandalism. So these people that commit these crimes from Rikers Island would be, would be released pretty much. And then the word now bench warrant. I'm, on March 7, 2020, I'm going to back up a little bit. Something happened, uh, I think it was around in Seattle. There was a violent anti-Semitic Antifa activist who had voiced jail time released for, for uh, treatment. Now, there was a guy by the name of Williams who was arrested in Seattle during a counter-protest against a right-wing group, the Patriot Pair. I have no idea who this group is. But I know Antifa is, is a very, um, they're considered a terrorist organization and they come out of Portland, Oregon. This... Right, and this is the same place where at one time the chief, who's now the chief of Philadelphia, was a chief in Portland, Oregon. And what this article says about the bench warrant was that this guy was basically called for a bench warrant, bench warrant, and did not show up. So by not going after bench warrants right now, that's actually very dangerous because these people, like this guy who's who's an Antifa activist, known for serious problems in the communities, you don't know anything about it because of a pandemic. And then I came across another article uh, on 318 where it talks about how Antifa marches in Montreal despite COVID-19 warnings to avoid large crowds. So here you now you're seeing Antifa starting to activate. Today's the 22nd, this was on the 18th. National Guard has been activated today, which is the 22nd, okay? And now you see these groups starting to kind of activate, right? The FBI had the one group, you have Antifa acting up over in Canada, in uh, Montreal, and then I'm going to go back to another article from 319 in March where it talks about how they're saying that the Philadelphia police chief who plans like criminals run wild, let Antifa run the streets of Portland. And if you do some research, you'll see how like even police are afraid of Antifa in the Portland area because they, they have taken over completely. Um, and it's just interesting how that this same person who, who resigned after two years, she was a police chief in Oregon for 2017 to 2019, now goes to Philly. So she ruins Oregon. 
with with Antifa, and now she's going to Philly, and she now she's in Philly passing these same type of laws or, or or taking away these type of laws. They can go after these criminals and shut them down, right? Be it using this pandemic as a way to push an agenda of some type. And again, I, I don't get it. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because we we're in a state of emergency, and people need to listen. And right now, maybe one of the other reasons for these medical facilities going up and the National Guard being activated is due to they're afraid of of riots and outbreak and chaos by these groups who are showing to start activity now. And so, again, this is not martial law. Be clear of that. So when the governors ask you to stay home, just stay home. Let's just see where this goes, right? I mean, let's just, as a country, as a people, let's just, for once, stop being self-entitled and stop being all about us and start being about each other. Because if we don't help each other out during this time, we're never going to do it. When I'm seeing people, you know, fighting over toilet paper, fighting over hand sanitizer, what will it be like if the economy actually does collapse going back to the Great Depression time? Are we going to slit each other's throats for a loaf of bread? Is that what really America has become? I hope not. So right now, I would recommend that we all just, you know, take a chill pill, right? Relax. Stop listening to the media because they are overhyping everything on purpose to create massive panic. And I'll get into this a little bit later, but I don't want to throw too much at you. This is really kind of like, again, it was just, it was driven by the clip from the director of the Secret Service. And I just found a few things interesting, then finding the um, history about Booth and near a hospital was going to uh, kidnap Lincoln. I just I just thought that was interesting. I just pray for uh, our, our president. And I think he's doing a phenomenal job at leading us in the in the right path at this time. And I just hope that everybody can, again, just relax and stop their nonsense. And that takes me to another quote, right? Because when I think about what's going on with the media today, it reminds me of like massive propaganda. And Joseph Goebbels, who was Hitler's propaganda chief, said this. This is the secret of propaganda. Those who are to be persuaded by it should be completely immersed in the ideas of the propaganda without ever noticing that they are being immersed in it. And isn't that exactly what's happening today with our media? And that also takes me to a poem that I want to just read here. It was uh, it's called Reflecting on the Election in 2016. And man, I tell you, uh, thinking about now what I wrote back then, it was never more true than it is today. This election brought us one thing, an end to the Nazi regime. Eight long years we did implore for Congress to step in and stop the whores. Not a finger was lifted to cease their acts. Illegal executive orders prove these facts. Now today, they wonder why the people were finished with their lies. Four years is what we have to reverse the carnage the lasted draft. I only hope the man at the helm is not the horse that overwhelms. Time will tell if we heal, as the other option was a devil on wheels. Two choices we didn't have. Two ideologies were up for grabs. One to bring a socialist state, the other a chance for us to reinstate constitutional lines to remove the divide driven by political lies. And that was from my book, Firestorm. If you enjoy the episode, please consider a membership at $5 a month. You'll gain access to all past, present, and future e-reports and books, as well as member-only content. The link is in the description of the episode. 
If you have any questions or comments, please send me an email at walkinverse at protonmail.com. W-A-L-K-I-N-V-E-R-S-E at P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L.com. And until next time, keep the faith, stay safe, and peace.